Hello and welcome to another edition of the Ferrario Faceoff. I'm Mike Claiborne and our host and guest, and this is his thing. We call him Alex Ferrario of ESPN 101. He's also involved in St. Louis Blues hockey broadcast. And Alex, we have a couple of games to talk about now and also a couple of injuries as well. So where would you like to start? I say let's start with the games, Claves, because I, I think we saw the, the tale of two separate teams uh, in the shutout victory Saturday against Edmonton, which in my opinion was one of the best games defensively as a team that I've seen from the Blues in some time. And then, of course, you get the dud that was laid out in Winnipeg on Monday. Well, you know, the, you're right about the game against Edmonton. I was impressed in how they covered all three zones. Uh, you know, when you can hold Dreisaitl and certainly McDavid off the score sheet and, you know, not even give them a lot of good threat opportunities, that tells you a lot about how composed you were. But uh, the other game against Winnipeg, you almost kind of saw that coming when you saw who was going to be out of the lineup. You, you had some guys who were really integral parts to your team so far. You threw some different guys out there who really never meshed, throw in the fact that it was hard for them to get it out of their own end, and that's something that the Blues have to be able to do, and you have yourself a 4 nothing loss. What did you think of Grice and the Nets? I loved Grice, Claves, and I mean, I understand he gave up three goals in that game, but he also saw 44 shots, I believe, and I think he set a Blues franchise record for most saves by a Blues goaltender, goaltender in his first start with the team. So that's impressive in itself. Here's the thing with Grice, Claves. He's a he's a veteran. I think he's 36 years old in the National Hockey League. He's been around the block for a while. But he's also a guy that is the the mechanics are old school. He's not going to overwork himself in net. He's not going to be floundering around and doing the Dominic Hasek windmill, say, with his pads. If he's going to stop the puck, it's going to be because he's in the right position at the right time when that puck is shot, and he relies on his defense to play well. And Grice made some saves in that game against Winnipeg that I don't think he should have made. I think he saw 14 high-danger scoring chances and allowed two of those to go in net. So... Grice, to me, was a question mark coming into the season of what they're going to get from their backup goaltender. And Grice proved in that one game that however many he sees this season, he's going to give you a chance to win all of those games. It's just a matter of how the team plays in front of him. Yeah, I was a little surprised at how poorly they played in front of him. You make a great point about giving up that many shots in your in your debut. Uh, we've seen the Blues really get in front of guys in their early stages of their careers. Billy Huso was a classic example. Even Jordan Bennington, when he first came on board, was a guy that didn't have to see a lot of shots because the defense was solid in front of him. Now, obviously, there have been some players that have moved on and some new players are coming to the scene or have had more prominent roles. But it was really kind of a, a disappointment. And, and I would say that the forwards really didn't help at all because they, yeah. their back checking was not where it needed to be. But I thought all three zones struggled, uh, along with the fact when they were offensive um, I thought they made one, two pass too many on the power play. And, and I think that's been their MO for quite some time. Even as good as the power play was last year, I always felt like, man, you know, that's one less pass you should have to take. You know, I mean, there, there's just a lot of situations that came into play like that. But you know what? It's one game. You learn from yeah. it. You had a day off. You get Edmonton again tomorrow. I'm sure there'll be a little bit of a different focus hockey club. Yeah, well, and that's the thing too, Claves. And I mean, I've never been to Winnipeg. You've probably been to Winnipeg before. But never going back. Exactly. And so that's what I was thinking about. And I said it on post game the other night. Like, you played probably the most emotional game of the season that you played uh, against Edmonton, and you shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl. Like, the ultimate high. 
for that team. And then you've got to travel to Winnipeg, sit around for a day and a half, and then play the final game of a seven-day road trip against a Winnipeg Jets team that had lost two games in a row. Like, it was, it was a trap game from the moment that that one started, which part of me claves, and look, this is nothing on Thomas Grice, because I did think Grice played a great game. I was a little surprised at Craig Berube's decision, though, to go to Grice instead of Bennington, because Bennington comes off of a shutout. You also now set yourself up to play Bennington against Edmonton and then Grice against Nashville. To play your backup goaltender in two games against the Central early on, I'm a little surprised by that. Yeah, I get it though. I, you know, you don't you want to get everybody involved in the in the game. The way the schedule works, you know, Grice would have been the last guy to actually play. And yeah. As you mentioned, it's a seven day road trip. Not to mention the game here and then all the things that led up to the start of the season. You had to throw him in at some point. And let's face it, he's going to face a, have to face a good team somewhere along the way. I, yeah. I don't know if Winnipeg's that good. I mean, they they can score a little bit. They're they're big. They're physical. Um, and they had a good solid goaltender last night, but I, I don't really have as big of a problem with it at this stage of the season. Um, the other issue comes into play injuries. Uh, we, uh, Bruce yeah. Navich is down now. Uh, Pitlick, uh, I remember when his dad played Lance Pitlick, pretty solid player, you know, nothing great. And when you look at Pitlick's numbers, he's not much different than his dad, other than the fact he's a forward and his dad was a defenseman and his, and he's bigger than what his dad was. Yeah, I, I actually, I'm I'm glad they made that signing, Claves, because before Pitlick got injured in, in preseason, he was one of the guys that stood out to me. And I think he only played three games, but I said, okay, this guy's going to be in your lineup on opening night because he's the prototypical fourth liner. Now, I know he's four years older than what he was, but his best season was 2017-2018 when he played for the Dallas Stars. I think he had 10 goals that season. Um so he's familiar with the Central Division. Last year, he played for Daryl Sutter and the Calgary Flames. He knows how teams want him to play, and I think he's the prototypical fourth line. And the Buchnevich injury is very odd because it originally was a maintenance day, and then it was, well, he's got something nagging him, so he just needs some time to rest. And then it was, now he's got to be reevaluated. And being placed on IR is not the same as LTIR, where you have to sit him out for a month. He's only got to be out for seven days. So maybe this just truly is rest. But you, you can't plug that hole by Pavel Buchnevich, and especially when you're looking for the chemistry in your top six where your one line is already struggling. So signing Pitlick, I think, is going to give them a little bit more consistency in your bottom six role. I would imagine Pitlick's probably going to be in the lineup uh, against Edmonton on Wednesday and maybe skate on that third line for you. But you got to figure out what this is with Buchnevich and hopefully – He's able to get back in the lineup. But as we talked about last week, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna have injured players, I'd rather them be early and I'd rather sit them until they're hundred percent to put them back in the lineup. What did you think of the bottom six last night? I didn't like it. Um, if you look at the fourth line claves, the first two games of the season, I thought they were very noticeable and very useful for Craig Berube. The last two not so much. And if you look at the, the the scoring chances that they've allowed this season, I think they've allowed the most of any line on this team. I think it's set at about like 20, according to moneypuck.com. Um, so they're giving up scoring chances. They're not giving up a whole lot of goals against when they're on the ice, but it just hasn't had the same flow that it did the first two games. And the third line's just so, so tough to judge because 
you, you don't have anybody there. Like Josh Levo played seven minutes against uh, the Jets. Uh, Jake Neighbors has kind of had an up and down start to the season, but it's expected when you're 21 years old. And Ivan Barbashev slash Logan Brown, I don't think either of those guys are the answer until you get some more consistency on that that third line. But if this team wants to be successful, Claves, they've got to have the third and fourth line logging minutes for Craig Berube so he doesn't have to overwork his top two lines. Let's take a break. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Mike Claiborne. Ferrario face-off coming back after this. There's always been a bright side to living in downstate Illinois. Amron, Illinois is making it even brighter with a little help from the sun. Right now, we're building a next-generation solar facility to bring you cleaner energy for generations to come. It's good for the environment, your neighborhood, and everyone living in downstate Illinois. That's brighter thinking. That's energy at work. Learn how you can participate in solar programs at AmarinIllinois.com slash renewables. Welcome back, everybody. We continue with the Ferrario face-off. All right. Um, still small sample size of the St. Louis Blues. Let's go around the league for a quick second. Uh, anything you're noticing other than the fact we see some guys getting hurt early? You know, I'm, I'm noticing a couple of teams kind of exert their dominance overall. And, and I'm curious your thoughts on this too, Claves, because there's teams that I'm buying into early on and how they're performing. And then there's teams that I'm not buying into. And one of the teams that I'm not buying into, Claves, is the Dallas Stars. Uh, Dallas is right now one of the best teams in the Central Division. Um, Joe Pavelski looks like he found the fountain of youth in Dallas. He's at seven points in six games. But I'm just not sold on that Dallas team being this good. We've seen it before where they start off hot, they come out scoring goals, and you're thinking, wow, this is going to be a tough team to go up against. And then the Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan effect kick in midseason, and then you're thinking, oh, great, what's going on? And then the owner comes out and takes a shot at those two players. So they're a team that I'm not buying into yet. One of the teams I am buying into, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Claves, they are built like the 2009 Stanley Cup version of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, they've got everything you can ask for. Really? I mean, now, 2009, that's a long time ago. What, what do you see similar-wise when it comes to those two teams? It's depth and it's goaltending. Now, look, Tristan Jari is not Marc-Andre Fleury, who won them the Cup. Marc-Andre Fleury was on another level. It's going to be very difficult for anybody to uh, compare themselves to that Hall of Famer. But Tristan Jari's playing like a Vezina Trophy candidate. And if you look at their team, Claves, they've got Jeff Carter, who I understand, I think he's 35 years old, so it's not like he's you know in his prime. But Jeff Carter's playing on their third line and producing with guys like Ricard Raquel from the uh, Anaheim Ducks, played with Pittsburgh last year, was traded at the deadline. They've got guys like Teddy Bluger playing on their fourth line. Jake Gensel's playing and having success with Sidney Crosby. I don't think this is like, oh, Pittsburgh's building themselves back up to be one of those elite teams. But I wonder if this is like one of the final rodeos. And I know they all signed for an extension, but like this might be the best you're going to get with Crosby and Malkin. They've got four lines that can make it very dangerous to play against. And they lead the National Hockey League at 29 goals scored total in six games played. Yeah, I'm going to hold on on them because of the fact that, you know, they're a little older in a lot of areas. Uh, The injury bug is still something that bites the National Hockey League a lot quicker than it used to. Uh, But I'll I'll make due note of them. Calgary is a team I would look at. I I just think that they match up well. I mean, because they play a heavy game 
And any Daryl Sutter team is going to be good defensively. I wonder about their goaltending, if it can hold up. But, again, it's a very small sample size. A lot of things are going to unfold. I'm not sure if you can really tell who has what until Christmas at least. And then after that, I think you might see some movement by teams if they think they're in it. Because I don't think from either side of the conference the teams can afford to take nights off because of the competition is so stiff. And you give away a game in December, that's the two points you don't have in April. And those are the two points that might be the reason why you missed the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, Claves, actually the West is more powerful than the East this season, just in terms of depth of teams who can compete for a Stanley Cup. Uh, there's four teams, five teams in the Pacific Division that I think have legit teams. And then, of course, you know with the Central Division, the part that's surprising is how bad of a start Minnesota and Nashville have had. But I also think that those two teams will find a way to right the ship, especially Minnesota with Billy Guerin at the helm who's essentially, I love the fact that Bill Guerin is so vocal with his team because he's already come out, what is it, six games into the season for them. <laughs> and he basically said, nobody gives a blank what you guys did last season. Like he's that old school mentality. And I think it's going to work so well in Minnesota. Here's the problem with that. If a, if a GM said that 10 years ago, I think guys would turn their heads and say, whoa, yeah. I think these guys is, have been so enabled that they just kind of go about their business and the sense of urgency doesn't apply like it used to until you make a deal. You know, it, it used to be, we'll fire the coach. I think Bill Guerin is a guy that says, well, I just hired a coach. Maybe it's the yep. players. And if that's the case. These are guys that he brought in, or at least he inherited quite a few of them. Uh, that, that's going to be interesting. That, that might be the most intriguing team in the Western Conference because of the volatility of Bill Guerin and what's at stake for that Minnesota organization. Well, and what's interesting with the two claves is you got the polar opposites in the Western Conference. You got that team where the general manager is coming out and basically saying, like, this team needs to figure its stuff out. And then in the Pacific Division, you got the Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver Canucks. Winless. I need. Yeah, I mean, Clay, you've got people throwing jerseys on the ice. You've got Bo Horvat coming out, the captain of that team that's basically saying, don't care what you throw on the ice, do whatever you want. We're not worried about that. But yet he's also out of the other side of his mouth saying, I'm not here for a rebuild. And this Vancouver team, Jim Rutherford put together a team that is built for success. He thought Bruce Boudreaux is the head coach, but yet it's a it's a it's a tra it's a it's a dumpster fire right now for them they they are probably going to be selling off a majority of their pieces come december if they don't figure it out well you know what I, when i heard horvath's comments you know it, it was a little disingenuous uh, yeah. now maybe you can say i'm not here for a rebuild because i think our hockey club is good enough to really compete maybe that's what he's saying but it also says uh that maybe if it doesn't go well, it, you know, I don't mind moving. Uh, so I think that's one we have to stay tuned with. Uh, and you, as you know, in the National Hockey League, every quote from a Canadian team is magnified yes. by a thousand, uh, which is why I'm surprised we haven't heard anything from Montreal or Toronto at this point, because that's the mecca of information, sometimes misinformation. So we'll have to stay tuned on that. Um, the, the other teams, though, that I think I'm looking forward to seeing, and, and we saw him the other day, I'm looking forward to seeing what Edmonton does in St. Louis. You know, yeah. I wouldn't say it was an embarrassing loss for him, but it was certainly disappointing. So if anybody thinks the Blues are going to shut these guys out two times in, in that sort of period of time, let, let's be real here. Edmonton is too good of a hockey team to, to play like that two times in a row against the St. Louis Blues.
Yeah, Klaibs, I uh, so I did an interview with Mark Spector, who's been covering the Oilers for a really long time up in Canada for Sportsnet. And I talked with him before that first Oilers game on Saturday. And I asked him, like, what's this Oilers team this season? Because they made it to the Western Conference final last year. They've got the pieces that are elite in the McDavid's and the dry sidles. And what Mark said to me was really interesting because he said, yeah, they're a team that can put up nine goals in a regular season game and put everyone's eyes focused on them. But they have yet to show, Mark said this, they've yet to show me that they can win two one hockey games or one nothing hockey games. And he said, that's how you win in the playoffs. You don't win five to nothing in the playoffs or five, three in the playoffs, because when you get to the Stanley cup, that's when it's the toughest to play against. And you saw it in that close game. It was a power play goal scored in the first period for Edmonton and the blues eliminated them and frustration ensued so much so that Jay Woodcroft had to take Connor McDavid off of a line against Ryan O'Reilly on home ice, like they get the final change and they continue to throw McDavid out there against O'Reilly, but O'Reilly found a way to eliminate him. So Edmonton, in my opinion, is going to be one of the top two teams in the Pacific Division up there by the end of the season with Calgary. But I also think that Edmonton is in the position to go all in if they want a chance for a Stanley Cup. And I mean, go out there and get themselves another really good defenseman, go out there and solidify their bottom two lines to go get some grinders. But if they don't do that, I think that is a I think that's a, a problem on the ownership and the general manager side if they don't address it because they've got the team that could go on a deep run. Stay tuned on that one. Stay tuned on the <laughs> St. Louis Blues. Blues and Edmonton uh, take each other on tomorrow night or as you watch this uh, podcast, it, it might be tonight. But in any <laughs> event, the Blues have an interesting week of hockey. Uh, Edmonton uh, Wednesday, Thursday in Nashville. Montreal Canadiens roll in for the weekend. That should be fun to watch as well. Uh, Montreal's trying to find their way. So some interesting games coming up for the St. Louis Blues that we should all be paying attention to. I know it's October, going into November, but you know, these games still count. They have meaning because, as I mentioned earlier, these two conferences are so tight. Uh, you, you just can't give away games. So I'm anxious to see how things work out. Absolutely. The saying in hockey, Claves, you know it. It's been a long time. You can't win the Stanley Cup by Thanksgiving, but you can sure as heck lose the Stanley Cup come Thanksgiving. So you always judge a team by how they respond to a bad performance, and that's what you're going to be looking for in Wednesday's game against Edmonton. Well, both teams owe us one, so we'll see which one breaks through. (laughs) For Alex Ferrario, I'm Mike Claiborne. This has been another edition of the Ferrario Faceoff on ClavesOnline.com. Tune in and check us out. We'll also have some items posted by Alex as well. We invite you to check that out. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon on ClavesOnline.com.